This episode of I'm Horrified is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Go to audibletrial.com horrified to get your free audiobook and start listening. It's that easy. Right now, I'm listening to Going Clear by Lawrence Wright, which pairs perfectly with our Scientology segment in episode six. And I'm listening to The Rogue Not Taken by Sarah McLean, a sizzling romance novel for those who enjoyed episode 49. So head to audibletrial.com slash horrified to start your free trial now. Happy listening! Jeez Louise. Hi, everyone. Hello, folks. Welcome to another exciting and fabulous episode of our original podcast, I'm Horrified. I'm Horrified, and it's episode 50, you guys. Wouldn't it have been just amazing if episode 50 could have also been our one-year anniversary episode? We should have just fudged it, because it's not like anyone would have called us on that. No, absolutely no one would have. Um, (laughs) It would have been cool, but no, that's really just not our scene. No. So, um... We're looking for as many excuses to celebrate as possible, so like... Yeah. Special I'm Thrilled episode and 50th episode spectacular, give Mm -hmm. me them both. Let's just have a gimmick every single week now. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Let's be completely unreliable. That's yes. good for podcast branding, I'm sure. Just doing something different every single week. I do. Um, there's a great podcast called With Lauren Lapkus. Have you ever listened to it? Um, no, I've heard of it though. Yeah. I- I've only heard of it by name. So the concept of it is like she's like a great improviser and she has a different like usually comedian or improviser on every week. And the concept of it is that it's their show that she's, like, the guest of. So every week it is a completely different show because they come on being like, this is a cooking podcast. And she's like, all right, and I'm the guest on your cooking podcast. Here we go. I love that. So if Lauren Lapkus can do it. That's funny. We should steal that. <laughs> that would totally work for us. Absolutely. We're excited to bring you folks some new bad stuff this week. Yeah, Sam, what are you going to be talking about? Um, I'm actually going to be talking about an old bad thing, which is the draft. It was bad and it's still bad. With things so touch and go right now, I mean, that's something we should be exploring. It probably is. It and probably if you're is. a man between the ages of 18 and 25, sorry. Worry about it. <laughs> and I'm going to be talking about shapewear. Wow. What? What shape? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's for you to stick around and find out, audience. That's um, the funniest joke I've ever made. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> now I'm ready for you to talk for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, but let's do it. Sam, tell me about, tell me about the draft. I know very little about it, I think. Yeah, I didn't know that much about it either. So this was, um, actually suggested to me by, um, our friend Amy the other day, oh, just yeah. as we were hanging out. And Amy was like, you know what, you should talk about the draft. And I was like, Amy, it's going into the Google Doc. Yep. There it is. So here we go, Amy. I'm delivering on that promise I made over toasted ravioli the other day. So the draft has been employed by the federal government of the United States in six conflicts. The American Revolution. Mm-hmm. The American Civil War. Mm. World War I. Mm. World War II. Mm. The Korean War and the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Well, those two are sometimes lumped together as the Cold War. Kind of. But the, the, isn't, I was mad at that because I was like, the point of the Cold War is that there it wasn't actually. A I war. don't think of those as part of the Cold War. I agree. Okay. Wikipedia disagrees with us. All right. Um. So it is still technically in effect here in the U.S. of A. And that's fucked up. So let's talk about it. On its most basic level, the draft, or uh, if you want to be fancy, conscription, as it's known. Oh, I didn't know that that was a word for yes. it. Yes. Um. It's just basically making it mandatory for certain groups to join their country's military. Right. 
So some countries always do this. Like in Israel to this day, you have to serve in the military for two years. Yeah, literally everyone has to serve an IDF. Yeah. So, you know, it works for some people. But the U.S. has a volunteer military, um, meaning that in theory, everyone who's joining, it's they're joining because of their patriotic beliefs or just their excitement about the benefits of being in the army, both of which totally legit. Join the army if you want to. Join the army if you want them to pay for your college. If you yeah. want to, do it. Great idea for you. So hard to be in this country and alive. So what are we going to do, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Um, so... The draft is this weird thing that happens only when the military is, like, in desperate need of more people, which is usually during a conflict, a.k.a. the worst time to be in the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's been going on forever. So let's start at the founding of our nation. Oh, I love to start there. (laughs) Uh, Part one, colonial militia laws. (sighs) Sexy. It's maybe the sexiest thing I've ever talked about, and I talked about fucking last week. That's true. (laughs) Um, So in colonial times, the 13 colonies used a militia system for defense, um, and Massachusetts had one called the Minutemen that I I vividly remember learning about in elementary school. Yeah, that was like all over Massachusetts growing up. Like the mass, that was like a school mascot for one of the teams I cheerleaded for. Absolutely. Yep. Um, So the colonial militia laws required able-bodied males to enroll in their local militia, and they had to go like a minimum of military training. They had to serve for limited periods in a war or an emergency. So it was like, oh my god, like, there's a raid on our town. Like, here comes the militia. And, like, they were called the Minutemen in Massachusetts because they could get ready in a minute and, like, be there. So this honestly makes sense to me because back then everyone had guns and knew how to use them and were just, like, ready to fight. Yeah, well, you had to, like, fight to get your dinner and, like, fight to keep your land safe. It was just a different time. Yeah, so the fact that it was, like, we all just agree that, like, if something's going down, you you come and you help. You come help. Whatever's going down. Yeah. That pretty much made sense to me in this context. Totally. Fair enough. So then, um, during the Revolutionary War, the states sometimes drafted men from the militia to fill the Continental Armies. Um, but they were, that army was mostly volunteers and it wasn't a perfect system because the central government didn't have the authority to conscript. Uh, it was only the state. So it was only if, like, if Massachusetts was like, sure, you can use our Minutemen, then they could get drafted into the Revolutionary War. Right. But it wasn't like there was a, an overwhelming body saying like, all the states, give me your, give me your Minutemen. Um, the, um... (laughs) The only exception to this was naval impressment, which I just want to talk about so fast. So naval impressment, colloquially (laughs) known as, like, a press gang. I don't know if you've ever read this in a historical novel. No. But it was literally, like, gangs who would force men into the Navy by compulsion with or without notice. So basically, like, it'd be a roving band of dudes. You're leaving the bar by the docks a little drunk on a Friday night. This gang attacks you. And you wake up on a Navy ship and you're in the Navy and that's allowed. What? <laughs> yeah. See, when I hear it, I think press gang, I think it's a, it's like a roving band of journalists. <laughs> no, it's not that at all. Um, so I'm imagining like six of my boyfriend <laughs> who's like on the skinnier side and his button down t-shirt like, the Navy, you gotta go. You know what I mean? Which is probably not how it was. It's like that, but with force. Um, most, mostly it was a British thing. It was a little bit done in America, but, like, if you hear about it, it's probably the Royal Navy that Got it. did it to people. Uh, and it was, like, legal between 1664 and, like, the early 19th century. 
but it can be traced back to the time of Edward I. So they were just always Big yikes. beating up guys and forcing them into the Navy. Uh, specifically, quote, eligible men of seafaring habits between the ages of 18 and 55 years. Mm-hmm. So just that's crazy that that was allowed. <laughs> just wanted to talk about that. I don't that. love that at all. So quick. Anyways, we win the Revolutionary War with not that much drafting, which is great. Uh, a few years later, during the War of 1812, President James Madison tries to create a national draft of 40,000 men, and it was so unpopular, so it didn't happen. That brings us to part two, Dat Civil War. Yeah, buddy. So, the United States first employed a national conscription during the American Civil War. Like I said, the Revolutionary War was just states being like, all right, you can take our dudes. Go for it, dudes. Take them. This was, like, the whole nation was, like, you're coming into the army. Now, again, the vast majority of troops were volunteers, but things still got pretty fucked up for reasons I'm going to get into. The first, like, group to start drafting was actually the Confederacy. Uh, They had far fewer inhabitants than the Union, so Confederate President Jefferson Davis proposed the first Conscription Act in, like, 1862. And resistance to this was both widespread and violent because comparisons were made in the South between conscription and slavery, (laughs) which is pretty fucking ironic since this is the Confederacy we're talking about. (laughs) This is, I'm confused about their premise. Like, like, did no one go like, really? (laughs) They're like, forcing us into the army makes us slaves. By the way, I'd like to keep my slaves. Yeah. I just... I mean, it does make sense because they're like, well, these people deserve to be slaves. Yes. So I'm not going to be like these slaves that (laughs) I'm not. Yes. Uh, It just... Not to empathize with (laughs) slave owners, which is, I guess, what I just did, but just to kind of paint a broader context. Yeah. No, that's fair. I just literally, I read that sentence and then I like went back to the top of the article two times to be like, wait, what, what am I reading about? And it was the Confederacy. They compared it to slavery. So their system was not working great um, (laughs) because there were a lot of like, there was favoritism. Local judges were accepting bribes to let people out. And like, it ironically really inflamed issues between local governments, state governments, and like the national government of the Confederacy, which again, is what they were fighting the war over, mm-hmm. was states' rights. So LOL at their belief in states' rights. Uh, towards the end of the war, the Confederacy had a massive problem with desertion because all these drafted guys were like, why would I stay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd think that they would kind of anticipate that. Yeah. Like, no, they're going to be really into it in a yeah. couple of months. You really get in this once. Once we get them in the trenches, they're going to fucking love it. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in the Union, uh, they're also implementing a draft around the same time. And theirs has a different problem, which was also happening in the Confederacy, but less so. So the Union permitted uh, drafted people to find or hire substitutes to serve in their place. Mm-hmm. So sometimes this wasn't that messed up. For example, like within a family, if one brother got drafted, but he had to really take care of the farm, the other brother might volunteer to go in his place. Like it's a real Mulan scenario. Got it. In that way. I didn't understand until you said that. <laughs> um, but what's less chill is rich people paying poor people to go in their place. So then all the richy riches didn't have to sacrifice their son to the Union Army. Yeah, that makes sense. They just paid a poor to do it. 
Um, and it also meant that if you were poor, you couldn't pay your way out, obviously. You just had to fucking go and die. Yeah, poor people dying for the rich is, like, pretty OG the world, yeah. I think. Absolutely. You can trace that back early. Um, so of the, like, almost 170,000 men procured for the Union Army through the draft, um, 117,000 were substitutes. Uh, another way to think about this number is this. Of the whole Union Army, 8% were draftees, but only 2% was the actual guy who got drafted. 6% were substitutions. Jeez Louise. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Only 2% were actually going because they got drafted. I can't believe that many people wanted to be at war. <laughs> That's confusing. But okay. It's national pride, man. America's been doing it for a long time now. <sighs> Big exhale. <laughs> So the draft in general, and specifically this policy of substitutions, was not popular and led to a lot of rioting, most notably the New York City draft riots uh, of, like, July of 1863. And this was mostly Irish Catholic and other blue-collar workers who were fighting the police and the militia until the army itself had to be called in to break up the riots about the army. Oh, wasn't this what that um, terribly long... Um, oh, with Martin Leonardo Scorsese DiCaprio movie was about and and, and Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz doing that abysmal Irish accent. I do think it's I do Let think it's involved. Quickly, Gangs of New Gangs York. Gangs of New York is what it's it called. Came to me. It came Gangs to me. of New York is what it's called. Uh, and there's what like a, movie. a lot of flute music in there's it. There's a lot of flutes. There's um, what's his name? Daniel Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis being very a lot in character. I'm sure very in character. <laughs> Um, I highly recommend if you have, like, eight hours to kill. You know what? I didn't hate it. Yeah. That's no, me neither. Say. I don't remember hating it. Yeah, no, I didn't. So these riots were really bad. They were initially focused on the draft, but then they expanded to violent attacks on people of color in New York City because, of course, they did. Yeah. Uh, with many people killed in the streets. In summary, the Civil War draft was not a good system. Good. It was bad, and let's not do that anymore. Uh, surprise, in WW1, we just kept conscripting people. So Woodrow Wilson decided to mix it up and rely primarily on drafting instead of voluntary enlistment, which had always been kind of the way America went. Why wouldn't that. you start with the people? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they did that too, but it's like, why wouldn't you start with the people who were like into it? Yeah. So that was the problem. He, they announced basically like, we're going to go to World War One. It's happening. They were calling it the Great War because they thought it would be the last one. They were wrong. Branding. And in his brain, he was like, we really need to get a million volunteers in the first six weeks. And the number of volunteers they got was 73,000. Good. So he was like, okay. Not enough. (laughs) Seems like I really have to draft people. So they wrote the Selective Service Act of 1917, and they're trying to, like, remedy the defects of the Civil War system. So they were basically like, there's no substitutions if you're going, if you get drafted, you're going unless, like, you can't. Like, unless right. something wild is happening with you. And this was also the first time they used a national lottery. Um, so I always think about, like, I'm sure you've seen images, like, from Vietnam. It's literally, like, imagine that bingo thing that, like, you turn and then you would pick out a ball. Yeah, and they and do it, it on TV, like, right? Yeah, and it would be like, March 3rd, you're going to war. Yeah, no. And then everyone who was born on March 3rd would be like, buck. So, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Hunger Games. It's it's a little Hunger Games-esque, yes. Uh, yeah, I've seen Across the Universe. That always seemed really scary and strange to me. Like, yeah. you wouldn't even get a letter in the mail. No, no, no. no. Nothing. <laughs> no. 
Um, so here's a weird thing in World War One is that there's not a lot of resistance because the government had put on this huge campaign to increase support for the war. So everyone who got drafted was kind of like, yeah, I probably should fight. Like, that's good. There was more pro-war kind of sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. So that really worked out. And then we get to World War II Electric Boogaloo. And, like, that war technically started in 1940. We didn't get into it until a few years later. But even in 1940, the president was like, "Um, we're going to end up in this somehow, (laughs) some way. It's coming. Something's going to happen. So he ended up... um, instituting the first ever peacetime draft in the United States. And it was basically like he really expanded the people that would be drafted. It was everyone from 18 to 37. And he, like, you were basically, the draft started before we were even in the war. And it was just like, get ready. Start training. Don't you love it? Um, And they actually made it so that men could not voluntarily enlist for the war. Because they wanted to, like, they wanted to be careful about who was going and who was staying. They wanted to keep enough men on the home front. And they literally kind of thought, like, if we just let everyone volunteer, there will be no men. Everyone will volunteer. Yeah. And if we get attacked here, which was a possibility. Yeah, which happened in Yeah, which Pearl technically Harbor. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy. It meant that for the first time, the Navy and the Marine Corps had to procure personnel through the draft. And um, it ultimately operated for six years, and over that six years, 10 million men were inducted into military service through the draft. Jeez Louise. Um, So those last two wars have been way too easy. Do you want to mix it up? Yeah, let's mix it up. Let's Uh, remix. (laughs) Korea, prelude to a nightmare. Love it. (laughs) Um, So between the Korean War's outbreak in June of 1950 and the armistice in 1953, the Selective Service Act, which is basically the draft, inducted 1.5 million men into the army and another 1.3 million volunteered usually choosing the navy or air force which were considered less dangerous than the army so this is a really interesting thing the government kind of realized that by having a really broad draft more men would volunteer because they thought by volunteering they would get better positions in less dangerous places and it was only the guys who like didn't want to go that would be forced into the trenches i guess so is, is that how, what, how it happened kind of yes like if you look at it one way that is kind of what happened but it's also kind of fucked up that like um america was just wanting to scare people into the military yeah like, yep yes <laughs> just nail on the head it's just uh a little weird to me so here's another weird thing that was happening. Um, the They also became more strict about their deferments, but these deferments were an incentive for men to follow pursuits that were considered useful to the state. So for example, undergraduate degrees were valued because you were less likely to be drafted if you were in school or had a job that needed schooling. So a lot more men pursued undergraduate and graduate degrees. And, you know, skills like teaching, research, and skilled labor were able to defer your army status. So a lot more men went into those fields. And marriage and family exempted you um, because they liked people getting married and having babies. So when they announced Vietnam, a ton of people got married immediately because they were like, this will keep me out of the army. Yeah, I would do that. 
But like, it's basically blackmailing a generation of young men into doing the things that the government thought they should be. Yeah. It was like, wow, if I pursue higher education and then get married and have a kid really quick, I don't have to go and die in Vietnam. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And then, like, as I was researching this, I was thinking about, like, baby boomers versus millennials. And this isn't science, what I'm about to say. It's just, like, a thought I had. Like, it was a whole generation that, like, really benefited with their lives from following this, like, nuclear family pattern. And now the baby boomers are all, like, looking down on us for not following that pattern. But, like, there's not a war on, man. Like, we don't have to settle down just so we can be safe from, like, whatever's going on. I think that's, I think you're really right with that, though, because I think even, uh, like, on the actual tangible level, Mm -hmm. if you got married, you didn't get drafted. Yeah. But then it was such a world of chaos that I think the government was sort of saying, and then Reagan ended up saying, with, like, sort of new, like, the new age conservatism Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, like, if you follow these rules, you're gonna be okay. Yeah. And so I think... You're totally right that boomers look down on us and are just like, you are being reckless and crazy and you're going to be unhappy and you're going to be blah, blah, blah. um, And you're going to get in trouble, like all that kind of stuff. If you just live your life a little bit differently, um, which is, I think you're totally right. Yeah. That just really struck me as I was looking at how like the government blackmailed a generation of young men into doing the things they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I was like, whoa. Uh, So now we're in the big one. Vietnam. It's just like that musical hair. Great. Uh, so, like I said, tons of men rush to the altar, uh, so they'll be at the bottom of the list for active duty. And this starts to kind of piss off poor, uneducated, and unmarried men, because they're like, hey, my life has value, yeah, too. Yeah, I would be mad. <laughs> Just because I'm single. And also, I'm, I'm picturing, a, a, like, a young man, let's name him, like, Eugene. Like, he's maybe, you know, not the handsomest guy on the block. He's got a great personality, though. Mm-hmm. And he just can't make it work with a gal, but he's, ho- like, he's holding out for the right one. And then it's like, if you don't get a girlfriend and marry somebody, like, we're going to basically kill you. And he's You're like, going come on, one. man. Like, I can just see that. Uh Even as this begins, it's already kind of starting off as the least popular draft since the Civil War because there's kind of this group of men who are like, hey, what the fuck? Like, again, you give these weird deferments and whatever group is not being deferred is like, hey, wait. Yep. So then the war drags on. And as U.S. troop strength in South Vietnam increased, more young men are drafted for service um, there. And many of those still at home were just desperately looking for ways to avoid getting drafted because, like, more and more people were having to go over. Uh, And, again, this leads to increase in in recruits for the National Guard and the Army Reserve. Because, again, if you were in the National Guard and the Army Reserve, you did not have to go to South Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you sign up for that? And then uh, suddenly in 1965, literally he signed this bill at like 3 p.m. and then like announced at 5 p.m. that it was effective the next day. President Johnson ends the marriage deferment. Oh, scary. So he's like, hey, as of uh, tomorrow, doesn't count. Can't do that anymore. Sorry. So now here is a list of everyone who's pissed about the draft. Number one. Blue-collar workers who don't get any of the nice deferments. And it is an important note that majority of these workers are people of color, because things are always worse for people of color in history. Number two, 
students, many of whom enrolled just to avoid the draft, and they are now all hanging out together in liberal bastions talking about how much they hate the war. Yeah. And number three, recently married dudes who thought they'd be safe, but surprise. Yeah, and like, now they have like a tiny baby. I hate Ethel. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm married to her because I just didn't want to die. Yeah. Or they're like, Ethel and I were going to wait, but we got <laughs> married and now I have this two month old and now you're going to look into the face of this two month old and tell it. Be like, I'm going to kill your dad. <laughs> dad is going to Nam. So it's no surprise that Vietnam becomes the least popular war maybe ever. It's already a generation that was, like, uh, more ready to protest than ever before because they're just coming off of civil rights uh, and women's rights are kind of happening just around the corner. So, like, already it's a young generation yeah, that's angry. everyone's tan and has long hair and is yeah. sexy. Uh. They're ready to be out. <laughs> and all of their handsome young men are being taken. So why True. wouldn't we protest? And America all of a sudden hates the draft. So during the 1968 presidential election... Richard Nixon campaigns on the promise to end the draft. Nixon, uh, surprise, is not just like a peace-loving man. He thought ending the draft was the most effective way to undermine the anti-Vietnam War movement because he thought once the affluent, like, youths didn't have the possibility of getting drafted, they would stop protesting, uh, which in a lot of court cases, he's absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, because Nixon actually fucking loved the Vietnam War. Yeah. <laughs> But he was like, oh, in the draft. And people were like, oh, well, if Jimmy doesn't get drafted, maybe I'm fine with it. Um, if you're not going to draft my boyfriend. <laughs> so there was opposition to the notion of, like, an all-volunteer army being reinstated. Uh, so Nixon didn't take immediate action, but the Gates Commission was formed, and they ultimately found that the military could maintain adequate, adequate strength without the draft, with just volunteers. Great. Back like we used to. So with the end of U.S. ground participation in Vietnam, which was in 1972, we saw the last men ever conscripted who were born in 1952. Uh, and just a shout out to Command Sergeant Major Jeff Mellinger. He was the last drafted um, enlisted soldier on active duty. So he was drafted during Vietnam and then he retired in 2011. Oh, good for him. So good for him. He's alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm thrilled for him. So we don't have a draft today. Wrongish, sort of? Let's talk. So, in March of 1975, President Gerald R. Ford, whose own son Stephen had failed to register for the draft. Oh boy. He signs Proclamation 4360, which basically terminates the draft and eliminates the registration requirement for 18 to 25 year old male citizens. Yay, the draft is done. Then, in July of 1980, 39th President Jimmy Carter signs another proclamation uh, because the Soviets had invaded Afghanistan the year prior. Right. So he's basically like, things are shaken up. What if we start drafting people again? What if we just keep that option on the table? Right. What if it's just there on the table in case we want to force young men to fight for us? Just in case. Just in case. So today, under current U.S. law, all male citizens between 18 and 25, inclusive, are required to register for the draft within 30 days of their 18th birthday. Until their 26th birthday, registered men must notify the Selective Service within 10 days of any changes to their information regarding their, like, their status, such as their name, their mailing address, their permanent residence, their marital status, any of it. Women, as well as transgender men, whether or not they've had gender confirmation surgery, are not required to register. 
but transgender women are required to serve whether or not they've had gender confirmation surgery. Yeah, because the military is so great to trans people. Yeah. Just amazing. <laughs> but also, like, you're not allowed to tell anyone. Yeah. And you can't, like, make a big fuss about it just... or anything like that. And they're not going to give you any health care. So perfect. Not, not, a, not a bit. Oh, not even a little. Great. Not a bit. Amazing. Um, and failure to register for the draft can cause problems such as denial of Pell Grants. Um, or you're not allowed to work any, like, government-related jobs. Um, so, again, just blackmailing people into serving. Doing the thing that America wants them to do, which is almost always wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I don't like this, and I'm horrified, and it's crazy to me that still this exists. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just wild that, like, technically, like, when, like, I was with my boyfriend when he turned 18, and, like, he, I... Like, he talked to me about, like, oh, I had to register for the draft today. And I was like, oh, well, when you give me your pin, yep. you know, maybe mama will. <laughs> It'll be so nice, like, writing letters to you, not knowing if they'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. It's be amazing. Like, what era are we in? <laughs> it's so weird. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's just, like, this weird rule. Um, and and it's horrifying. And it's come back. Who knows? Who knows? And then, like, who knows? Maybe we'll swing all the way back to World War One and Two, and we'll be like, we fucking love the draft. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> with the nationalism going around, nationalism, I'm horrified. That was really interesting, though. Good historical deep dive. I love Thank it. you so much. It was. I thought it would be like, yeah, it's Vietnam, but there was like so much draft. There's so history. much more. Hey, y'all. My name's Alicia. I'm Stacy. And we make Trashy Trashy Divorces. Divorces. It's a good podcast about bad relationships. Every week we bring you two stories of love gone wrong. And people who really should know better behaving very, very badly. It's a fun way to cut some powerful people down to size. Or take a second look at stories and scandals that defined a time. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or on the web at TrashyDivorces.com. New episodes every Sunday. Subscribe now and never miss a garbage day. Well, are you ready for something uh, way less important, which with a much less impact on our lives? How dare you? The shape of me is very important. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I need to be a triangle at all times. Ed Sheeran's The Shape of You, very important. Yep. Okay, fair. Fair enough. I take it all back. Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. <laughs> Pretty, yeah, a lot Incredibly to do. Incredibly important. With, yeah, female <laughs> the shape body image. Water. Okay, so. That fish sh- guy, but he's in a girdle. <laughs> Sam is laughing so hard right now. I wish you could see it. I just wish you could see it. Like, you know on the poster where they're in the water? Yes, I've seen it. But, like, he's wearing a corset. If anyone out there with, like, a modicum of graphic design skills could do that for us, please. All right, tell me about shapewear. The shapewear of water. Okay. Um, So shapewear is something that has been around since, from what I can research, the dawn of time. Nice. Um, That's not really true, but it's basically been around since the dawn of the gender binary as we know it. Word. And, like, gender roles, and I can't imagine why that is. (laughs) Um, So it's also called foundation garments. Yes. Or shaping underwear. And they are, for those of you who are blessed not to know what they are, underclothes designed to change the body shape is the wikipedia uh, definition and i was like yeah that's a weird way to put it but yeah you're right (laughs) yeah um and they differ from bras and lingerie because they're not meant to enhance anything like a padded bra or shoulder pads is like extra this is just taking your body and again as wikipedia puts it making it more presentable which i was like ouch wikipedia (laughs) Um, i think somebody just misspelled thin um (laughs) 
every piece of shapewear I have set my eyes on is just, like, meant to make you skinny. Yeah. But there is a history behind shapewear mm-hmm. that doesn't just have to do with that, but usually does kind of. Fair. So there's this great Bustle article called The Evolution of Shapewear that gave me a wonderful timeline of lots of nonsense. And it starts in ancient Crete, and I love this, where art would suggest that Cretan women would wear their boobs fully out. Love it. Like, totally out. Absolutely. Um, And they'd have a corset underneath to both, like, boost their bare tits up mm. and narrow their waist. And I just can't get over that. It's like, That's it's not look. enough to just be full areolas <laughs> forward. But you also have to, like, prop them up and accentuate them. Like, I love that. that is a, that's a mood I could just get behind. Okay, so in Hellenic Greece, which is, like, before Alexander the Great, uh-huh. I thought maybe it was because some woman named Helen was in charge. I don't think that's it. Well, Helen of Troy. But is that it? I don't know. I don't think that's <laughs> it. If it is, tweet at us. Again, like, a quick stroke of Google, I would have been able to find out, but I didn't care. So, Greece at this time, the Mighty Girdle came into play. <laughs> the Mighty Girdle, um, my favorite hockey movie. So, yeah. <laughs> girdles were made of fabric and leather, huh. and often, like, metal and gold embellishments. I'm in. Which, no, but, like, think about <laughs> how uncomfortable it would be to basically have, like, jewelry around your waist at all times. It's fashion, Al. Is it? Is it under your clothes that it's less fashion? Yeah, well, it's, like, sometimes under, sometimes over. I don't really get it, and, like, some Grecian women were, like, kind of half-clothed. Everything was very flowy. All right. My favorite thing about this, though, is that in Greek mythology, Aphrodite, goddess of beauty and love, she had a magic girdle that was woven out of pure, like, desire and lust or whatever. Yes. Um, But to me, that makes me, like, so deeply upset because it's like she is the goddess of love and beauty and, like, she's so beautiful that as she would walk by, like, people would literally, like, stab each other to death. Yes. And she has to wear Spanx also. <laughs> like, there's just, like, no hope. There's no hope for us. That's fair. So that That's just, like, infuriated fair. me. Uh. Um, okay, so in Rome, they actually had um, breast binders. So the, the sexy shape in Rome was, mm-hmm. like, skinny everything but big hips. So if you had tits going on, that would take away from your hips. You had to kind of hide the boobs. Interesting. Um, and so f- according to Forbes... Quote, a breastband or strophium, similar to a bandeau top, was used to bind breasts, and according to historical records, reputable women kept the breastbands on during sex, to the dismay of their husbands. <laughs> um, so that indicates to me that there was some kind of, like, moral yeah. attachment to boobs being, like, impure yeah. or indecent, maybe as a backlash to the more, like, open and sexually yeah. liberated or just like body liberated like boobs don't have to be sexy like yeah thoughts of the past um and then in, in modern days we have healthy chest binders for you know trans people yeah. or people who like need them to be more comfortable yeah. you know just the way that they present physically um and those are great but those are like healthy yeah <laughs> you and can those buy are, ones that are healthy yeah for those you. are very specially made exactly um and i have a feeling the romans weren't doing that so then I'm going to, like, kind of paint with a broad brush here just for time. Yeah. From the Middle Ages through the Victorian era and a little beyond, corsets took the center stage. Um, and at first they were made with cloth and stiffened with paste. That sounds fun. <laughs> so it's, like, basically... Sticky tums. Yeah. Well, like, you wouldn't put the paste on yourself, I don't think. I know think. that, I think still. it's just, like, taking, like, a really stiff t-shirt and, like, wrapping it around yourself. Um, and so during this time, it was less about slimness and more about sh- actual shape, as shaper implies. Mm-hmm. Like, it was definitely okay to be bigger, but the femininity of your curves and the kind of 
boob to hip ratio Mm -hmm. was what was important. And skipping ahead a little bit, so with the dawn of the First World War, so, like, there's lots of, like, there's, you know, Edwardian and all that stuff in between, but we're just not going to get into it. So the First World War, steel used in corset bones was hard to come by, and they were throwing all that, you know, to the people in the draft, I guess. (laughs) Segways. Whoa, connections. connections. Um, So bras became a thing. Standalone bras. Um, with this, a more boyish shape ushered in the 1920s aesthetic, which was all about being skinny. Everyone just wanted to look like a 12-year-old boy was, like, basically yes. the idea. Like, real thin, like, no curves. It reminds me of the Thoroughly Modern Millie. I was just gonna say, because um, she's, scene where she's, she's like, I have to strap down my fronts or something Yeah, crazy. she's like, gotta strap down my fronts because she's looking at all these girls and their pearl strands yes. lay flat on their chest uh-huh. and she's got tits because she's beautiful Julie Andrews. And they, and like, like, don't lay right. They don't lay right. And she's like, oh no, it's so hard to be Julie Andrews. And then she bobs her hair. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> it's amazing. It's such a good movie. It's problematic at the end. Oh no, it's, it's big problem. And, th- and throughout it, because of the racism. <laughs> all, all of it. Uh, um, Julie. But yeah, but the movie's so, great still, But it's of. still, you should maybe just wash it with the sound off. So some used camisoles and girdles to flatten everything out so they could put boxy clothes over it. So, like, this is when we started just, like, with the tightening yeah. stuff just for getting everything kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you could live out your 20s pixie fantasy all you wanted to. And this kind of leads to the modern girdle, which caught fire in the 40s and 50s, which was basically just, like, tall underwear. Tall, pinchy underwear. Yeah. um, That sometimes had little shorts. They sometimes didn't. They sometimes had little hooks. They sometimes didn't. And um, this era is still focused on shape overall, um, but, like, boobs are back and being skinny is still pretty important. Mm Mm-hmm. So shapewear remained similar to that kind of hourglassy 50s figure until we get into the spandex world mm-hmm. in the 80s, but it really took took hold in the 90s and early 2000s when we see products that are exclusively for slimming. Yeah. Um, and they're called shapewear, but the overarching goal here is to hide fat. That yeah. is the point. There's no real, like, shape you're going for. Mm-hmm. Like, the obvious is, like... I mean, hourglass, I guess, but it's it's really meant for, like... Less. It's going to make you look skinny mini. Yeah. So Spanx was founded in 2000 by Sarah Blakely. A very tall, very thin white woman is a very, very important thing to think about. Um, she is the woman who ushered in the Spanx revolution. Um, and she... Not she. Spanx itself ushered in this new wave of shapewear culture Mm -hmm. so there were more brands with more demand um they had this kind of like personality branding of like you know this is how you're gonna be like a cool girl and go out on the town and Mm -hmm. they had like commercials and things like that whereas before it was just like sold in stores and nobody talked about it um people were discussing like before and afters on talk shows they were in like the cultural zeitgeist Mm -hmm. They started being, like, on jokes in Sex and the City and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, it started entering our culture a little bit more. Um, Like, oh, is her Spanx too tight? Like, you know what I mean? Horrible comedy like that. Um, And what's interesting to me is that, so, like, over history, Mm -hmm. as we just talked about, things went from larger to smaller over time, kind of. Yeah. You had the corset and petticoat and all that nonsense, and then you had the girdle, and then you had the bra, and it kind of got downsized just a little bit and made pretty much increasingly comfortable, though none of it was really comfortable. Yeah. And so 
the thing with Spanx and things like it is it seems to be increasing the surface area over your body now. Like, yeah. we're going back, we're ratcheting back up. So there's, like, control panties and pantyhose. But there's also, like, body suits that, oh, yeah. like, suck your entire body in and make it look as thin as possible. Yeah. Spanx recently came under fire in 2017 for debuting arm tights. <laughs> Which are spanks for your arms. Jesus. And so, like, on the one hand, that's such nonsense. But on the other hand, like, that's not any different from putting spanks on your thighs. Mm -hmm. They're still your limbs. And, like, this... Okay, this is going to be so controversial. I I don't even know why I'm going to say it. But... So, like, there's some countries that eat dogs, right? Yes. And, like, yes, that's bad. But, like, people are like, how could you do that? That's disgusting. That's awful. And I'm like, okay, fine if you're like that with every other animal, but, like, it's the same thing as eating a cow. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still an animal, and yeah. it's as alive as any other animal is. So, like, I don't understand. It's like, everyone's like, oh, Spanx on your on your arms? How <laughs> dare they do that to our self-esteem? And I'm like, everyone's still like, you, sh- you have to put Spanx <laughs> on your leg. I'm confused. I just did that episode about dogs. People are going to come for me. I don't want anyone to eat dogs. No. But I'm also not a vegetarian. Yeah. I'm so confused yeah. and contradictory. I'm a bad person. Some places don't eat cows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, so, also, I'm sorry to say this, but like high heels, Spanx come at a health cost as well. Probably. So, Spanx can <laughs> compress your stomach, intestines, and colon and lead to heartburn and acid reflux, or more seriously, erosive esophagitis, which is serious damage to your internal organs. Its suppression of your bladder can lead to incontinence over time. Sexy. Um, compression can decrease circulation and lead to varicose veins. Uh, it can lead to yeast infections because, like, air can't flow to your lady bits. Yeah. Um, which is always very important, people. Uh, side note, you shouldn't be wearing underwear when you sleep. That's very important. You shouldn't wear underwear. I know, I, you're being a face that's like, I wear underwear when I sleep. I don't. Prefer, I prefer to. You're, you're not supposed to. But I prefer to. But it's bad for you. You gotta let her breathe. You gotta let her breathe sincerely. She's breathing. No, she's not. She's <laughs> suffocating down there. No, she's not. Take her out. Don't look at her. <laughs> Take her out on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Ugh. Sam's Winnie the Pooh in it right now. Oh, my God. No, she's not. She's not. Oh, also, in some women, it, the restriction from shapewear can lead to increased anxiety and even panic attacks. So it's, it's not good for neurodivergent people to feel, like, constrained. <laughs> that's fair. I see um, I see that. I get that. So that's where Shaper lies today. Um, you can find a piece of spandex to slim any part of your body that you can imagine. It's yeah. pretty much expected that when you buy a fancy dress, you will find Spanx to match it. Um, and as with corsets in the early 20th century, there I feel like there is this sense of compulsion to shapewear that took a bit of a break in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. in a way. But the biggest problem that I have with it, the reason that I'm horrified, and I'm not horrified. Yeah. I'm just like, but you're eh, horrified. I don't love it. Is that, so like, it, for example, on their website they claim, quote, in addition to keeping butts covered from Savannah to Singapore, Spanx also shapes the world by focusing on our mission to help women feel great about themselves and their potential. And so that, like, last word really irks me. Like, really like potential you know what I mean like it's kind of implying like with us you can be beautiful and you're almost there yeah. like you have so much potential and now you can finally yeah. like like this is if the last only, thing that's missing if only we couldn't see your panty lines exactly and that's it's, what's it's holding so you much back. more about that like it's really about like I think that there's this thing that everyone kind of sees but we don't really acknowledge that much and there are people acknowledging it so I don't want to like erase that work but like as a fat person like which I am 
I'm allowed to love my body only under certain circumstances. Yeah. Like, I'm, I can be plus size, but if you have, like, this big old butt, like, there better be no rolls. Like, mm-hmm. there better be no cellulite. There better be no discoloration. You better yeah. be very light-skinned. Like, you have to be, like... BBW but like airbrushed out and like if you're not naturally Mm -hmm. like that not naturally like big but also like tight you know what I mean it's still gross yeah and I feel like that's kind of what keeps getting sold to us like it's got to be for me like all or nothing Mm -hmm. like you can't halfway accept all bodies as they are body hair cellulite rolls like I don't give a shit like it's got to be all or nothing you have to be down with all of it or Mm -hmm. you're not being body positive yeah and so it's like it's not that It's bad to wear Spanx, but I feel like we never see those little rolls. We never see, like, bumpy hips or anything like that. And there's nothing, like, if that's the way that literally every woman's body is just naturally built, like, why are we made to think that that's not okay? Like, why is it not an option? It's like, it's like with body hair. It's like, you see a woman with, like, hair under her armpits and you're immediately like, oh, and it's like, again, I sound like this, like, hip, like the hippie teacher on recess. The hippie teacher on recess. The hippie teacher on recess. Who's, like, a communist, and if you, like, rewind those videos, like, you can tell. But it's, like, we have to accept, like, the the way that we naturally are has to be beautiful, not, like, natural light. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's it's kind of, like, unpaid internships. It's, like, even if you like wearing Spanx, it's, like, Mm -hmm. your roles empower other roles. Do you know what I mean? Like, let those roles out. And, like, the the big question to me is, like, why? Like, there's nothing wrong with wearing makeup, but there's a difference, I think, between playing with color and highlights and and featuring, like, different parts of your eyes and your your face and all that stuff and having a really bad skin day and hiding yourself. And that's not a judgment on people who wear makeup every day or, like, take on a lot of foundation. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, you know, where is it coming from a place of self-expression or self-loathing? Yeah. And I think so often it's coming from the latter mm-hmm. and companies are trying to sell their product to us like it's going to be the former. Yeah. They're like, you know, trying to co-op that feeling of like self-confidence and feel good energy, but they're really capitalizing on a society that makes you feel bad about yourself. And you should like, if you're wearing a dress and you look good in it, you should look good in it because like it's a beautiful color and it makes your eyes pop and you're stunning no matter what. And it, flatters your actual shape not like a shape it flatters your shape and it it can be flattering even if it's just your shape like you don't need to shove yourself into a different shape that you think is better like your shape is optimal yeah and I think that's something that we've just moved so far away from and it makes me kind of sad Mm -hmm. um it's like you know hourglass can also be like hourglass where like the the glass of the hourglass (laughs) got like warped somehow and yeah. that's fine that's yeah. okay that's not a good metaphor but or maybe, I don't know do whatever you want but like the way you treat your nothing about the way you treat your body should be punishing or compulsory yeah. that's that's like the TLDR yeah instead of hourglass think like the glass flowers at that Harvard museum yeah they're all so different and weird and gorgeous mm-hmm. that's the human body that you're like that is just a vessel for your goo brain exactly that's true and it's like we both own Spanx yes and we wear them, but sometimes they make me feel really bad about myself and I still shove myself into them. Yeah. And then an hour into my evening out, I'm like, why did I do this to myself? Yeah. And then the next time I still do it and mm-hmm. I'm like, but why? Yeah. And I was like, you know why. Yeah. You know why you do it because you feel like otherwise you are lesser. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad. Yeah. I'm horrified. Are you horrified? 
Yeah. You said you you said I had to convince you at the beginning. Well, so it's like a lot of times I wear Spanx because in the summer my thighs rub together and I uh, they get really bad rashes. No, no, no. When I was no, I'm gonna let you finish your thing. Finish. But other times I wear Spanx because I don't feel as cute that day. And then like I've been at like work sitting in my desk and having to like pull down like my Spanx under my belly just so I could like breathe for a second. Like, yeah. literally being like, I hope my coworker doesn't turn around and notice me, like, airing out my gut. Everyone's done the bathroom pulling gas. Yeah, where you go, absolutely. Like, <gasps> absolutely. And then you put it back on like you're going to jail. Like, you, yeah, you massage the red line that's yeah. just like, angrily cutting across your stomach. That is a thing that people who don't wear, like, um, shapewear or, like, tights might not realize is that they, like, mark your skin for hours they afterwards. They really hurt. Yeah. They really hurt. And I've gotten, like, um like cuts from it if it's too tight along yep. literally like a like a scab yep me too i've gotten i bled over yep. them and but i just wanted to say along my research um i found something that was like yeah like some girls like use spanks to help with chub rub but um there's a if it's that powder from lush it does no, not no, do not all that. day coverage it's i have to reapply that. though i will say deodorant De- really fucking works I have to re- me. I have to reapply deodorant, too. No, I reapply it, but I just keep it in my bag. Yeah. Keep a little mini deodorant in your bag. Swipe it. But so there's this thing called bandolettes that's basically just, like, little, like, armbands, but mm-hmm. for your thighs. And mm-hmm. they stick on your thighs, and they keep you from chafing. Would they stick on? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> um, if they would like to sponsor us, <laughs> we will find out. If you um, send me bandolettes and they work, I will tweet about you for 18 years. Yeah, no, but, like, I have, like, in the summer, like, a same with the thigh rubbing. It's yeah. it's a nightmare. But, like, I have little bike shorts that I wear underneath. Yeah. And they're not spanks. Mm-hmm. They don't change my shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this memory of, I once, um, sorry, Mom, I often say this in the podcast, found in the laundry, in the clean laundry, this, like, pair of shaping underwear that my mom had. And I looked at it, and I had never realized, like, oh, wow, if I wore this, like, my stomach would be sucked in. Mm-hmm. So I stole it from her and I wore it over my normal underwear to school, oh. like all the time. Wow. All the time. And that's so sad to me. I yeah. think I was probably like 10 mm-hmm. when I found it. Like, that's total bullshit. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? Um, and that's not my mom's fault. She wasn't no. like, steal my underwear. She'd probably be like, what the fuck? That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, that, you know. Oh, that early you had that message in your brain. Yeah. That it was just like... This exists. Yeah. And I think we just, we need less of it. We just yeah. need less of it. And and so I feel like the less of it we have, the better, the better it'll be. Yeah. I don't know. Is that ignorant? Maybe it is, but I just feel that way. No, I think you're right. Um, so that's shapewear. That's shapewear. Burn your bras, bitches. Very yeah. 70s this episode. Very 70s centered <laughs> this episode. Um, all right. I this... do not wear bras with underwire anymore. I have, I don't I, do that. I've never done I'm, I'm blessed that my boobs are small enough that I can do that. Oh, I, but... again, as I've said, I have monster boobs, but I, anytime I can wear an outfit without a bra, it's happening. Yeah. I just do not care. Absolutely. Um, if any big chested ladies have good bra options mm-hmm. or like bralette options, Send me those and we'll retweet them because yeah. I'm in need of them. And medium-chested ladies, I just love bralettes. <laughs> you do. When you're in a bad mood, sometimes I'll see, like, you bought, like, four bralettes <laughs> on Airy, and I'm like, why is that your, like, comfort food? I don't know. They're comfy, but I also feel cute in them. You know what? Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I love Airy. Me too. Me too. All right. With that, stay horrified. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.
Hey, Horror Honeys. We hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. Your support means the world to us. And if you're not enjoying the show, why are you still listening? Maybe you do like the show. Thank you.